The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit MidtownColumbia.com slash partner. Very glad you're here worshiping uh, with us. We're, we're in a special day, if you haven't noticed. Uh, if you weren't here earlier when I said it before, this will be our last time getting together to, to worship, to sing, to sit under the word of God. Uh, and I count it an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you today as we get into get into the Word of God. Again, we'll be in Acts chapter 17. We're just starting a new uh, little mini-series to kind of help us navigate via the Word of God through uh, this season and this time that we're in. We're just calling it A New Chapter Begins. A New Chapter Begins. If you're um, I know most of us in the room haven't, haven't been around since our church started, but our church started almost exactly five years ago. Matter of fact, uh, a week, actually two weeks from yesterday will be exactly five years from the time that our church started. So I feel like it's an appropriate time for us to look back, see what God has done, how, how God has been working in us and through us, but also look forward to the future as well. So I want to do that to, together today as we get into God's Word. Acts chapter 17, we'll start it at verse 26, and we'll read 26 and 27. It says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us. So it's saying that God, the creator, who, who put all of us on the planet, not only did he put us here, but he determined when we would be here on the earth and where we would be while we are here on the earth. And it says that he does that with a purpose, verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, that he is actually not far from each one of us. He cares so much about the people that he created come to know him that he strategically places all of us at different, uh, in different times and different places so that we will feel our way towards him, so that we will come to know who he is. He's in control that way. For some of us, it, it looks like we were born into families uh, where we heard the gospel over and over again. That's my story. I'm a, I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. I heard the gospel. I feel like I was born on the front pew, and I sat there just for the rest of the time until I was 18 years old. Maybe that's you. You heard the gospel early. God set you right there. We got children in the room. Some of you are in the room right now because God is working on bringing you into himself that you might feel your way towards him. As the Bible says, that's an incredibly loving thing for God to do. Man, a few years ago, um, it was um, I think it was the weekend of my birthday. And I'm just thinking, you know, me and the wife are going to go out to a great dinner. It's going to be dope. It's going to be so much fun. I was looking forward to it. Uh, messed around and walked in on a surprise birthday party slash pastor appreciation night thing that some of y'all in the room put on, right? Some of y'all, some of y'all here, that was awesome. Like, I felt, I felt so just, like, loved and appreciated. And the reason for that is because it, I... As I walked in the room, I could see based on who all was there, based on what all was set up in the room, that a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of strategy, a lot of conversations went into it. And I was just like, I was just blown away. I was blown away at all the effort that took place beforehand for, for, for me to be able to come in and just feel appreciated, feel loved, feel honored. Like, like, I, feel, like I was set up. It's like you guys set me up in the best possible way. And I just, because of how much was done beforehand, it made it mean all the more to me. I just knew there were a lot of moving pieces that had to be set up in order for that to work out the way that it did. One of the most amazing things that this passage in the book of Acts shows us 
It's just how loving God is because it's saying that every person in the room, every follower of Jesus, especially in the room, that God set you up in a very specific way, that he had a plan that he was working out before the foundations of the world, that all of his lost children would come to know him. And he worked out his plan. He had his strategy all laid out throughout the centuries, throughout the, the thousands of years of history, that you would wind up in a place where you would hear the gospel of Jesus. God set you up. God sets you up. That, that, that means something. That reveals something about his heart, about his love, about how intentional he was about you coming to know him. Some of y'all was in college just trying to party it up. You was just trying to party it up. You might have been at Benedict. You might have been at USC. You might have been a few different places. You was just trying to party it up. You was trying to get your name out there. You was turning up. Messed around. Messed around. And some Jesus-loving people found you, and God put you in a place... And God put you in a place that you might feel your way towards him. Someone that loved God and loved you. God God strategically had you just where he wanted you. He set you up. And you've been following him ever since. And you've been on the mission of of welcoming others into the same family that you've been welcomed into. He preordained that you would live where you live, when you live, that you would feel your way, excuse me, towards him. I love that language of feel your way that we might feel our way towards him. It, it, it reveals something to me. People who can see well don't feel their way around the room, right? So when you can see, when you, when you know exactly where everything is, you don't feel your way around the room. The only people who feel their way around the room are people who are in darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room before. You're trying to get somewhere, and, you, and all you're doing, you just, I, I don't know where anything is, so I'm just feeling my way around. What this is showing us is that even if we did find God, it's because he found us first. It's because he found us before we found him. And the only reason that we found him is because he found us, set us in a place where we can walk around blind and mess around and find where he is. God set us up. We all have reason to be grateful if we have placed faith in Christ. He set us up that we might feel our way towards him. That even though we didn't know exactly where we were going, even though we were just trying to do our own thing, he set us up in a specific time and a specific place. I say God found us because we were the ones that were lost. God wasn't lost. Well, God wasn't lost. He found us that we might found, find him. Excuse me. And then on the other side of the coin, not only does he, when we, don't, when we haven't placed faith in him, not only does he set us up in a specific place that we might find him, but then that must also mean at the same time he's setting up other believers in specific places at specific times so that we might share the good news with those who are finding, feeling their way towards God as well. He sets up both sides of it. That people who can't see might run into some Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching believers that would share the love of Christ. He's, he's so sovereign, he's so in control that he puts us where he needs us. He's in control of everything. You playing checkers with your life and God playing chess. We, we playing I declare war and God playing space. I mean, he got the big joker, the little joker, the both deuces and the ace. He, he got the whole game set up. He done, he done set the whole game up, excuse me. God has everything fixed, everything set up that his lost children might come to find him. It shows how passionate he is about this. It shows how much he, he truly cares, that he will work all these details out that we might come and find him. 
We see this idea of him setting up his followers to, to go and share his message with those that don't know him all through the book of Acts, especially. I want to look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I'll start at verse 1. We'll jump to verse 4 after that, just to give you a little bit of context. In the eighth verse in the whole book of Acts, so, so chapter 1, verse 8, he tells his people they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. And then he says Judea, which is a little bit bigger region. And then he says Samaria, which is kind of off a little bit from where they normally go. And then he says to the uttermost parts of the earth. That, that's his goal for them, right? But the but believers, I don't know if you've ever been here before, got a little bit comfortable in their bubble got a little bit comfortable in, in, in where they currently were in Jerusalem, right? And so they didn't go. They didn't spread out. They didn't go to different places. They just stayed where they were. Check out what God does in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. This is eight chapters later. God is seeing them just kind of staying where they are. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. God allowed the persecution of the church to send his people out to those who he has strategically placed up in specific places so that they might feel their way towards him. He allows this great persecution to happen. Did you notice where they went? Regions of Judea, where he told them to go in the first place. And Samaria, same, another place he told them to go the first time. He'll do what he needs to do to get his people where he needs them to be. Verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So he scatters them. He uses the persecution to scatter them, to send them where he already told them to go. And then as they go, they go preaching the word because God gets his people where they need to be so that those who don't know him can feel their way towards him. He got them out of their bubble, if you would, in Jerusalem. It happens a little bit later, uh, eight chapters later in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. Give you a little bit of a, a little bit of context before before we start at verse six. Paul is now on his second missionary journey. He's taken his first missionary journey through Asia, through Galatia, and a few other places in that area. Um, planted churches, preaching the gospel. People coming to know Jesus. Churches getting started. Then he went back home to his home church to let them know what all went down. They had some discussions, and now Paul is being sent out on his second missionary journey throughout the same region. Here's what happens, verse six. And they went through the region of if you can pronounce that word, I'm happy for you. Whatever. And they went through the region of fear something, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So their intention was to go and preach the good news of Jesus in Asia, right? They had done that before. The ministry was very fruitful. People come to know Jesus. People, Jews and Gentiles getting baptized. It was amazing. So they're like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to preach some more. We want to see more of this happen. And the Holy Spirit just shuts them down. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, verse 7. And when they had come to Mysia, Mysia or something like that, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So if you're familiar with the geography, they're heading west through Asia. They go to the places where they went the first time, uh, and God doesn't let them preach. So they just kind of keep going a little bit further, thinking, okay, God didn't want us to preach there. We'll keep going. God does the same thing to them in verse 7. They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Verse 8, so passing by um, Mysia, I'll say, they went down to Troas. Troas is a port city. It's on the coast. It's on the coast of what I think is referred to as the Aegean Sea. So it went all the way through what was known as Asia at the time, all the way to the coast. Everywhere they kept trying to go, the Holy Spirit's like, nope, you ain't preaching here. Nope, you're not preaching here today. Check out what happens in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So I told you Troas, where they had been stationed at for a little while, they were figuring out what to do, is on the, is on the coast of the Aegean Sea. On the other side of that sea is Europe. The gospel, as far as we know, as far as any historian can tell us, had never been to Europe at that time. So Paul was thinking Asia. We're going to continue to preach the gospel here. God gets in the Troas where you can look across. If you look straight across, Europe is on the other side. And Paul has this vision of a man in Macedonia, which is one of the areas over there in Europe, who's standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. In the Greek, the man from Macedonia was saying, Paul, do you love me? Are you writing? That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He was calling to Paul. In this vision, God sets Paul up in this vision where this man from Macedonia is like asking Paul for help. Paul, come help us. Help us. We're in need. I had to throw that Drake line in there. I meant to get it last week, but I was a little slow. So God has this dude in Macedonia appear in Paul's vision. What's happening here? God is moving his people where he wants them to go. He is sovereign. He is in control. He has put the, everyone that he, that he has, uh, all of his lost kids, I should say, are set up in a place where now Paul is going to come. As a result of Paul going there, we have the Philippian church, which Paul wrote to, the Corinthian church, which Paul wrote to, uh, the, the Thessalonian church, which Paul wrote to as well as we see in the scriptures. God has set the whole thing up. He had a plan. He was always in control. He places people where he wants them, and he uses them for his purposes because he loves those who are lost so much. We see this happening again in the book of Acts. We'll move it to verse to chapter 20. We'll start at verse 22. We'll do 22 through 25. This is, again, this is kind of closer to the end of Paul's second missionary trip. So it's the same trip. He's already been to Europe. He's continuing to sail around and make his way back to where he started. Verse 22. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He says he was constrained by the Spirit. He's saying he has this burden from the Holy Spirit where, where God's Spirit is moving him to Jerusalem. Constrained by the Spirit, saying, listen, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but the Holy Spirit has shown me that prison awaits me when I go there and persecution or, uh, sorry, imprisonment and afflictions await me when I go there. 24 and 25. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among who whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face again. So this conversation he's having with the, with the elders, with the leaders uh, at the church of Ephesus, the, the Ephesian church, the, their leaders, he's having this time with them. He knows he's not going to see them again. He's giving them some last words, and he's saying, hey, listen, I got to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is telling me to go there. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to be challenging, but I have to do what God calls me to do. And to be honest with you, I don't count my life of any value if it's not doing what God called me to do, he says. What's God doing? He's moving Paul, his missionary, his follower, to where the people are that he wants Paul to minister to. If you're familiar with the story, he gets thrown in prison. In his, in his letter to the Philippian church that he started right there in Europe, he, he lets them know that now the whole, the whole palace guard basically knows about the gospel of Jesus because I'm right here in prison. 
We see, the, we see the man of God who is following where God has called him to be and God using that for his purposes that those who don't know him might come to know him. Now, here's my main point, if you haven't caught it already. God loves to set people up in specific places and specific times so that he can share his goodness, his word with those who do not know him. He loves to set up people who don't know him in places so that they might feel their way towards him. He also loves to set up his people in specific places so that those who don't know him might come to know him. He's got the whole game set up. And here's what I'm learning from these passages in the book of Acts. He does not care if he has to disturb your life, if he has to disrupt your life. He does not care about what your insecurities are. He does not care about what your preferences are in all of this. He is about getting his people where they need to be so that they can share his good news with those who do not know him. He's passionate about this. He, he, he so cares about those who do not know him that he sets everything up that we as his people might share his good news, that he might work through us, that those who don't know him might come to know him. He cares more about those who don't know him coming to know him than he cares about our own comfort, more than he cares about us being in control of our own lives, more than he cares about our lives going the way that we thought they would go or we thought they should go. He cares more about others coming to know him than he cares about us accomplishing our own goals or our own dreams. He cares about his people, his lost sheep coming to know him. He's willing to disrupt your whole life, your whole operation to do it, to use us for his purposes. He'll move individuals. He'll move groups of people. Many of y'all know this. The vision for our church since the time uh, that we got started was that we would be a church that, 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 that are faithful witnesses of Christ for Christ uh, along the quote-unquote two-notch corridor. So anywhere where you see these pockets of poverty along two-notch road, we, from the very beginning, five, even I'll probably say six, seven years ago when we first started talking about it, that, that was our goal. That was our desire. That's what we felt like God had placed on us is what he had burdened us with. So here in this, in this neighborhood that we're in, we've been doing ministry for the last probably, probably full five years uh, that we've been a church. Since we started the prayer walks that we, that we picked up earlier this year, uh, as we've been just going around praying for people and just asking people, how can we pray for them? And also asking them, hey, is it okay if we come back to continue to pray for you, to continue to, to get to know you? We've had 70 homes in this neighborhood indicate that they would welcome us back to pray, to have conversation with them. Seventy in this neighborhood. Seventy homes. I need us to realize that, that all 70 of those homes are answers to prayers that have been going on for at least seven years, I would say. And one of the things that, I, 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 that concerns me as a pastor, maybe probably more than anything else, as I think of this, this move that, that, that we're making, this transition period that we're going through, is that we will move to, so our new location is 2901 Two Notch Road. It's right on Two Notch Road. It's not in a neighborhood like this one. is actually uh, a grocery store. I think it used to be Ingalls like several years in the past. It's, it's in a commercial area. It's not in a residential area like this one. And one of the things that concerns me more than anything else is, is, is are we going to lose that drive that we had? When we can't walk out of the door and see houses in every direction, are we going to lose the commitment that we've had, that we, that we started with five years ago before we ever had this building? Is that going to, to kind of level off? Will that fall off or will we understand that God places his people where he wants them to be for the sake of the mission? Will we remember that or will, that, will we lose focus? 
Will we remain committed? Will we remember that we prayed for every one of those doors in this very neighborhood that are open to us? We remember that all those are answered prayers that we need to be good stewards over. Or will we forget? Will we become more inwardly focused? Or will we say with Paul that my life is worth nothing to me unless I testify to the goodness of my Savior? Will we let the four-minute drive from, or three or four-minute drive from where, we, where our new location is prevent us from continuing to follow up with and build relationships with the people we've built relationships with here? So currently in, our, uh, in, the, in the prayer walk ministry that we do, that we've been able to build some phenomenal relationships uh, with people. I, I, I think, consistently speaking, we probably had about 12, maybe 15 people uh, on a good day which, who are very uh, committed to that and consistent uh, with that, which I am very grateful for. I tell other pastors about that, and they're like, where do you find people who serve like that? Like, where do you grow them? Like, where do you get them from? People who serve in that way. So that's probably something like a little under 25%, maybe 20% of our, of our membership, I would say. I'm going to give you a future goal. My future goal for us as a church is that in one way or another, and it won't look the same for everybody, that 100% of the people who are involved in our church in some way are involved in ministry to the people in this neighborhood and in other neighborhoods that we will go to, whether it's through prayer walks or other things that we, that we might do. On one of our prayer walks, um, I met a, um, a young woman named Bridget. Her name's Bridget. She, uh, she's never come in here on a Sunday, uh, but she has come to one of the events that we had, the one that we had uh, way back here at the park. Um, and we, we were prayer walking, and we talked to her husband, and he just, he just told us that, hey, her, her father passed away. Um, and so if you guys could be in prayer for us, that would be great. Uh, and so some of that uh, word got around to a few of us that were doing the prayer walks. And so we had one couple in our church that was like, we'll, yeah, we, we'll go and buy flowers for her. We'll just go and get flowers. We'll take it to her door just as a way of saying, hey, we love you. We, we, we care about you. So that's something that we found out because of people in our church who were faithfully just praying for people in the neighborhood. And, and we, we found out that prayer request. And, and someone who wasn't even there that specific time was willing to come in and just say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give flowers. That's a way that we can love on people in the neighborhood. There are many different ways that we have in mind for our members to continue to be engaged with this neighborhood and beyond. But I want to be clear that the desire, the goal is for 100% of the people in our church will be engaged in, in following up with people in this neighborhood and beyond on Two Notch Road for all of our members. I think one of the things that's important to remember is that as we looked at what, how God led Paul and how he led him to Jerusalem is that even though God sets up non-believers in specific places and believers in specific places so that for those who don't know him can come to know him, that doesn't mean it comes without sacrifice. That doesn't mean it's, it's easy. Just because God stacked the deck and set it up the way he wanted, it doesn't mean it'll be easy. It'll still inconvenience us. It'll still require sacrifice from us, which means it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. This is very important because this is very important for me to say because if we are going to continue to be the church that God has called us to be, it requires sacrifice from all of us, from all of us. I want to be very clear about that. From all of us, if we are to, 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 to live out the mission as God has called us to, it will require that from every one of us who are a part of our church. So if you're here and you're a visitor, I'd love to welcome you to join us in it. I'd love to, to welcome you to a, to a mission that, 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 that is worthy of the sacrifice as we seek to serve this community that God has called us to. My prayer for us is that five years from now, 
that we will look back on this move, we will look back on this transition period that we've had, and that we will say, man, God used this to rally us and really galvanize us together to send us out more than we ever have before for his mission. That we will realize that when God moves his people, he does it for a purpose. That he doesn't do it with the intention that, that, that we would no longer have the same zeal and the same passion, but he, he moves his people so that we can be about the business that he has called us to. And it's my prayer that every one of us would lock arms together and ask, how, how might I be a part of it? How might I serve? I'm, I'm a part of this body. I'm a member of this body, which means I, I, I am called to the same thing. How might I serve? How might I use my gifts, my strengths, my talents, my energy, my resources? whatever it may be. And if we do that, if we do that as a church, we will beautifully and gloriously look just like our Savior who left the place of heaven because God didn't just send humans to where he wanted them to be so that others could know him. He sent his very son down to the cross to die on us so that we might feel our way towards him. We look like a very Christ-like church when we say, God, however you want to move us, however you want to lead us, whatever you want us to sacrifice, just let us know and we'll do it. And when we do that, we look like our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will but your will be done. May we be willing as we seek the salvation of others to sacrifice our own routines, our own schedules, our own comforts, our own control over our lives, our control over our schedules. That we'll be willing to sacrifice even goals, dreams, and even successes in various areas that God is not calling us to so that we will be the church that's not just in inner city two notch, but but is for inner city too much. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to continue to sing and celebrate God's goodness to us. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for the ways you set us up. You sent your son down to come and die in our place so that we might come to know you. You put people across our path that, that, that loved us and loved you so that we might come to know you. Father, would you just help us to be the same thing for others that you sent others to be for us? Just, just a, a someone who shines your light in the darkness, Father, that others would come to know you. And God, as I said earlier, it's still my prayer that five years from today, that we will look back and be blown away, that you really use this time of transition. You really use this, this change kind of into a new chapter in our church's life as a time where you sent us out more than ever before to share your goodness, share your gospel, your love, your grace, your mercy, your justice, your righteousness, your, your power with those who did not know you. Father, you are the good shepherd. You're the shepherd that came after us. You're, you're the shepherd that in, in Luke 15 leaves the 99 to come after the one who is straying. Would, look, Father, would you make us like that as well, that we would leave whatever comfortable place we might be in to go after whoever you're sending us to? It's in Christ's name I pray.